I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Secrets of the Side Hustle with me, Scarlett Russell, entertainment editor of the Sunday Times Style. This podcast was created so I could sit down and have conversations with inspiring female founders about their career stories. And for us, it was people were seeing exactly what they were sending because they were buying it. They were buying the pads. We said, we want this and this and this. And they said, okay, use their own money, bought it, sent it to us. Spanning industries from fashion and tech. No one had ever said to me, you can work in technology. My idea of what it was to work in technology was to be a software engineer and, you know, write lines of code, create software. To publishing and food. I was so poor, I couldn't, I remember looking at the cupboard because I couldn't afford any food. I remember looking at the cupboard and being like, huh, what can I make from what's right here? Each week we'll discuss the practicalities of starting a business from scratch. It's actually the most difficult part of the side hustle because that's what takes up the time. So that's real, you know, I literally do everything at the moment. I'll be delving into the personal and professional experiences of turning a side hustle into a thriving career. In this episode, I sat down with Helen Bowie. Helen is the CEO of Alcove, a company that uses smart home technology to keep older and or disabled adults safe in their own home, avoiding going into care homes. Helen founded the company in 2014, spotting a gap in the British market for this type of care tech. Alcove has since grown into a multi-million pound company with 10,000 devices deployed. She's also a good friend of mine. We've known each other for about 10 years. I can't wait for you to hear Helen's story. So let's begin the show. Hi, Helen. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming in. Very excited to have you here. So, Right, can you start by telling me a bit about your background and your career leading up to now? Yeah, no problem. So as you can tell from my very strong northern accent, uh, I'm not a traditional Londoner. I was born in the northeast of England, um, went to a very traditional secondary school. Um, my careers advisor, uh, I said I wanted to be a barrister. But uh, then realised how much admin was involved in being a barrister and completely turned myself off it. Um, and then went through a really protracted series of jobs that all bore no relation to each other whatsoever. So I went to uni, did business studies. And my first jobs were actually working in Greggs and McDonald's. Brilliant. Like, I cannot, cannot emphasise to young people enough. Like, get yourself some experience with A, it's customer facing. B, you learn how projects and and teams work together 
and C, anything that is a slightly blue collar uh, is really, really good to learn all the different types of negotiation and conflict management skills, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You found yourself soon in London after that, after you graduated, right? And yeah. you started working in the city. Tell us a little bit yeah, about that. Yeah, because I'm a bit of a general manager, so I really like to have a handle on the numbers. I'm quite silsy. You can tell that by the way that I talk. <laughs> I'm not unconfident or unfraid, like not afraid to approach a situation. So then moving down here um, really allowed me a, to take up a big step, a big step up in my career. So then Mushel acquired a small parking uh, software business that they were looking to scale into a national manpower business. And what that means is if you have a ticket on your car. I actually haven't. Oh, can you believe you that? No, I have got a car. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I can't share with my mum. I can't share with my mum. You know this. <laughs> live in zone four. You need a car. Oh, that's yeah. a dream. Do you know what? I've never had a ticket. Have you? Wow. No, I've got three points on my license from contravening a red light when I was like 17. But I've, no, maybe 18, 19. But um, no, I've never had a parking ticket. Right. Well done, well you. Well done, me. Yeah. So basically, uh, these parking contracts, they have a lot of revenue that sit behind them, but they're very difficult to drop any profit out of. So the listed company that I was working for at the time, I told the CEO not to get into uh, on-street parking enforcement. And they did, still wanted to do it because there's a lot of revenue involved. So anyway, we did it and we won £130 million worth of forward order book. What that means in English is contracts signed right. for the next 10 years. And effectively then embarked upon building and executing a parking enforcement business from a small software acquisition. So that's turning a software purchase and adding in manpower to be able to deliver a lot larger contract value than just software, which is kind of, you know, much less of a contract value. Um, then um, I then left that and went to join Capita. And at Capita, I was brought in and I was MD parking. MD parking. Then I had a good look at, so basically once I told them, don't go into this parking space. The exec director that I told this to said, well, what else can you do? And I was like, ah, adult social care. So at that time, um, I'd been doing various bits of consulting before I started Capita around the adult social care space and realised how badly broken and damaged that it is. Right, okay. Now, you won't be aware probably that about 40% of all council spend is on older adult services. And effectively, that's a large portion of the budget. That's every pence and every pound that gets spent on delivering adult care. And that, just like parking, is completely Victorian. It's delivery model. You'll see lots of horror stories in the news about how there's no money left in care. However, there's lots of money being filled in to the top, but it all gets absorbed in bad manpower models, pointing the wrong person to the wrong place at the wrong time. And there's a gigantic problem in the respect that there just aren't enough carers. Now, when we need carers, we're pretty stuffed because the kids aren't putting their hands up to leave school to become a carer. And equally, those that are within the field, um, because it is heavily regulated, um, you can't get arrested when you go to work for PrEP, but you potentially can when you're a carer. So there's a lot of risk involved, which means it's a very, very tenuous uh, employment area to join and you have to be really in it. I then came up with this idea, right? I had a good look at um, what was called telecare uh, and what is called telecare as well at the moment. So there's about 1.7 million telecare plastic boxes fitted around the UK. 
Now, I don't know if you've seen big red buttons. So traditionally, Scarlett, what would happen is when you turn 55, because apparently by the age of 55, you're an older adult, right? Which makes me laugh, given the respect that Madonna is 60 and yeah. recently had a 23-year-old boyfriend. <laughs> and in fact, my, my own partner just turned 55, which I laugh. Uh, you know, darling, you too can move into one of these yeah. games <laughs> with some pull cards in the bathroom and a big red button around your neck. So had a good look at that market and thought, my God, right? So is this what we've got to look forward to when we get older? Equally, I have a sister with a learning disability. So forever, I've grown up around learning disability, seeing how my mum reacts with carers and people within the care environ, and have a really, really realistic view of how it works on the inside. Now, within the care industry, there are staggering low levels, staggeringly low levels of um, monitoring. So if you or I go to Sainsbury's now and get 20 quid out or even go into the tube station over the road, we are on camera. Okay. Mm. if somebody comes into your house to deliver you personal care, who knows what what's happening? Not saying that there's bad things happening, but it's just really was staggering to me. Well, there's that... no one's monitoring it. No, there's no nothing. There's nothing's being regulated. You nothing. don't know what's happening, which equally means that if they have a fall or there's something happens, they live alone. There's no one there to know about it. Yeah. Well, and if you're vulnerable and disabled, mm. um, you know, there's 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 some horror stories and there are horror stories out there and we've come across lots of horror stories and I'm sorry but the one and only industry that's never had any monitoring is the one that needs it the most so just from my experience of kind of my mum won't let carers anywhere near our house even though loads of carers are amazing but it's just unfortunate in terms of what 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 provision was out there at the time and basically um you know, I kind of looked at the market and thought, God, people deserve something a little bit better. And equally, everything that's out there is so stigmatizing and horrible. Mm-hmm. So that if you do have a learning disability like my sister, right? And my sister is, she's the same as me. She just can't communicate in the same way. And I've got three sisters and we're all completely different to each other. Are you the oldest? I'm the eldest. Mm-hmm. Um, however, we all talk the same. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you ring my house, my, well, my mum can't tell which one <laughs> any of us are. Um, and then basically, um, a, a funny story that I always tell is that um, my sister wanted a new watch. And so I don't know who it was. I think it was somebody um, in one of the community groups that she was sent to, to sit in a porter cabin until she was 30. And I said to my mum, I was like, you do realise you put her in prison. What, what was her What was her disability? Oh, she's got microcephaly, which means she's born with a small brain. So basically she's 30, but she's kind of got the mental age, I think about three or four. So you can have a chat mm. with her. Oh, she lives a life of Riley at home with her parents, but she's different, right? Mm. It doesn't mean that she's stupid it doesn't mean that there's anything more that she has different requirements um and needs and so she's the same as me and my sisters completely it's just that um she can't communicate in the same way and she has a different level of um of support that's needed so anyway um yeah my mum um asked what shall I get for her in terms of this wearable so someone came back with this big ugly help me I'm disabled watch thing that talks to you and I actually saw a picture of it the other day and it just reminded me and anyway my sister was like no (laughs) right I'm not wearing that and then went shopping with my mum on Millsborough High Street to Goldsmiths and then pointed at a tag Hoyer and was like I want one of those right (laughs) and you're like why the hell not just because you're disabled doesn't mean you get disabled stuff and in the same way that if you're older you shouldn't have old stuff so then 
The idea for Alcove was formed. How do you replace all this big red button stuff that's largely led by analog landlines and replace it with technology? So you're kind of, you've come up this idea whilst at Capita, whilst at Capita. working on something else, but you've obviously thought, okay, well, this is something that I don't need to stay at Capita to do. No, definitely not. And what? What? And you're MD of parking at Capita at this time, so this you're time. still doing like parking road parking things. Yeah. And well, well, I told them to explore something else, i.e., mm. look at the adult social care space, but they weren't really interested in building a tech platform. They wanted right. to turn it into a managed service proposition. So I was like, right, uh, okay, let's do this anyway. So then. Um, Started investigating further the market, always wanted a good idea, never had a good idea. Mm. It seemed like a good idea. It seemed to have legs. There seemed to be a huge target and total addressable market. There seemed to be a real will to want to transform this type of area, Mm. i.e. providing better ways of supporting people in their own homes. And ultimately, from a contextual perspective, no one wants to go into a care home, right? No, of course no not. one elects or wants to go into a care home. People want to be in their own homes. Yeah. And, you know, we will want to die in our own homes. And that's, you know, absolutely fine. Because there's one thing that is um, guaranteed to happen and we will die. And this is one of the things that I constantly get asked. Like, oh, what if someone dies? And you're like, well, they will. They're, they're old. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing. But you've got to make sure that you improve people's quality of life before they get to that point. And right. it's all all about quality of life. So at that point, started doing investigative work, explored and wrote a um, a submission for some money to the government in terms of a grant. Then got awarded the grant um, and uh, left Capita. So you got the... So you basically left quite early on as soon as you got the grant yeah. to go and do it you're like right this is it I'm See going to... how hard was it to get the grant is it just a matter of applying and well grants are interesting up... yeah yeah so basically so uh, we've quite got quite a, lot, a bit of grant money and it's really helped with not having to raise lots of external capital mm. and basically what's really important in a small business is from the beginning don't give away all of your equity And people seem to find it really easy to give up a lot of share capital at the beginning. And it's madness because you need it. You mean saying to people, for instance, when they go on Dragon's Den and they say, right, I'll give you 5% of my business if you give me this X amount of money. And so very early on, they've got a little bit of money, but they've given away a huge part of their business. And you're saying that's what you kind of want to avoid if you can. Yeah. Oh, God, God, God. For as long as you possibly can, hold on to every percentage of equity that you possibly can. How much was was the grant that you got from the government? It was three hundred and eighty thousand pounds. So how? And you just, which is not an insignificant sum of money. So I cannot recommend enough that people look into grant applications. There's a a platform called Innovate UK, right? Innovate UK is funded by the BEIS, which is the Business Innovation and Skills, and they are given hundreds of millions to spend on early stage ideas and allowing early stage ideas to develop what's called feasibility studies to take these products to market. Lots of people don't know about this, but they're continually dishing out more and more and more money. But grant money for small business owners, don't go straight to investors. Have a look around to see what you can get free, which is no more complicated than filling in a form, right? You fill in a form and the problem now though is kind of, you know, Three, four, five years ago, very few people knew about grants and more of them know about it. But um, you can get really good at filling these forms in. But ultimately, it depends upon 
whoever's assessing your idea in terms of the form, if they like the idea, if it's robust, if you show you've thought about project planning, if you show you've thought about resources, if you show an understanding of how to run a project, mm. which back to my corporate mm. uh, background really gives you that level of deep understanding of how to knit together a set of objectives, how to stick to a plan and how to deliver them at the end um, with resources and funding. So um, following that, following the grant, um, we then went out to raise external funding. So you, presumably doing the job that you did, you knew how to, you knew investors and you knew a lot of these people in the no, industry. No, didn't you know didn't, any. Didn't know, know any. any. So because a lot of people won't know any. So how do you go about finding so them? So I knew one guy, right? One so, guy from, so basically this guy um, who I love and adore, who's one of our investors, who's just a guy, just a person. Um, what, you just knew him socially? Yeah, he used work. to work with okay. my sister. Okay. So basically, he then got a new job at a, um, a wealth management firm in the city. And then uh, basically did a few intros. And then once you start to meet a few people, mm. it's all about your network, right? Mm. I cannot emphasize the value of network and networking at the early stages. It is crucial. It is not what you know. It is who you know. So interesting. So what are your tips for networking? Is, is LinkedIn something like that a good one? Do people even use that now? Yeah. Yeah, so, LinkedIn, yeah. Big. LinkedIn has been, I mean... I don't use it as much as I used to, but in the early stages of the business, social media was incredibly important. Of course. Well, this was, I was going to come on to the social media aspect of it, but just like the actual, yeah, I don't, I mean, I've only just come onto LinkedIn. I'm so late to that party because I suppose in my industry, yes, to an extent, a lot of jobs and everything's on because, but it's so small that if you know people, you know people, you don't need them to go yeah. on LinkedIn. But in order to grow the business, it's that, I mean, what else is it going to events? I mean, how else do you network? Well, so so I, basically LinkedIn wasn't built for for kind of the creative or entertainment industries so um there's actually a um a new linkedin challenger platform called the dots that's been created to do that yeah we've had um, oh you had Pip Pip Jameson, Jameson. Yeah, 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 yeah she's yeah. awesome yeah and um and so basically it's just if you have a, a network mine it if you know somebody else that has a network mine that right yeah. so it's about having the balls to go and open up your own opportunities and people are so willing to help people. It is incredible, right? Mm. We live in such a supportive country. It is incredible. And all you have to do is ask people and people are often afraid to ask them difficult questions. Just ask the worst that they can say is no. no. Yeah. So doing loads of networking at the start, getting the messaging out there, just testing and kind of refining that three minute elevator pitch. Yeah. Mm. So that takes a long time for that to trip off the tongue which means that you have to spend a lot of time telling a lot of people. So completely using LinkedIn to describe your journey as you go through it and equally getting early on awards, right? Right, so you've got your money. And so within that, you you knew that part of getting this money was to employ people, yes. the tech people. Yeah. Fantastic. So how, so how many people have you got working for you now? We've got 10 at the moment. And you started with? Uh, well, they were just the the... The, the three of us really, I would say okay. at the start, there were two founders and a CTO okay. that we'd found prior to um, actually getting Chief the investment. Chief technology officer. Chief technology officer. Well done, Scarlett. <laughs> <laughs> they, okay. um, so basically... Um, like, did you did you start, did you build your own website? Did you have someone else do all of that? Did you use that money to get branding and pay someone to do all of that stuff? So from the beginning, when you'd go and raise funds, you have to create a document and it says what you're going to spend that money on. So... 
what we knew we were going to spend the money on a yes you need a website so you need somebody to build that website so bearing in mind that um you're only human and you've only got a limited skill set right but people exist and they know what to do as well so everything in terms of being able to get yourself up and running is out there in terms of resources you just need to find them and you need to be able to hustle which uh is incredibly important right now I so don't... important we've made a podcast I know, about I know, it. I know, I know, right? I get so much stuff for free; it's unbelievable, right? Like what? Uh, everything. So consultancy advice. So that's you know, um, accountancy, legal advice. Um, get gifted a lot of free meeting rooms. Or just loads of stuff, Amazing. right? If we can get it for free, like awesome. And the amount of times that we've had things. So for example, for the first three years, we had free office space. So one of my old clients, now that's a game changer, right? If you're going to rent an office in London, you're looking at like, oh, at least two grand a month. Mm. So if you're saving 24 grand a year, right, which is a roll, um, then that really takes the pressure off. But yeah, my God, like saving that amount of cash. I mean, by the end of it, to have an office, you know, with that amount of people in, you'd be looking at like three and a half grand a month. So you're saving massive amounts of cash that you can deploy directly into the business. And again, takes the pressure off without having to go and raise money constantly to keep the wolf from the door. Okay, so talk me through your social media strategy. Right, so free is incredibly important to me because I'm northern and I'm tight, right? <laughs> and so as well as getting free stuff, I don't like spending any money, right? Now, um, as well, you know, one of the things to be wary of is when people give you a lot of money, i.e. you get awarded a large VC round, don't start spending it on things that don't bring cash into the organization or things that are overhead. You don't need an office manager, right? Hold up on the admin people. Do some of it yourself, yeah. <laughs> right? The um, So basically, um, social media, right? LinkedIn, Twitter, um, and Instagram were the three that I chose. Now, because I've always been really, really into social media, um, I made it one of our key strands of our strategy and it's free, okay? So from the beginning, I knew at the point in time then, Twitter was very popular and I used to actually use it myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, and now I don't use it as much. I tend to use it as a search engine. And I've noticed that the um, engagement on Twitter has plummeted. And I think that's a byproduct of basically the product's been around for so long now that everybody's followed so many people that their, their, their timeline is just full of crap. And so effectively, they don't look at their timeline. They use it to search for their friends, search for their favorite celebrities, yeah, etc. Yeah, the accounts they want information from. Yeah. yeah. So at that point in time, quite a lot of people in, in local gov and in social housing all had Twitter accounts, right? So then you go and follow them, you engage with them, you then start to build this following. And we got to 20,000 followers on Twitter pretty quickly, which we are, I think, still the most popular... Um, care tech business on the internet and then um what i wanted to do was put a really aspirational brand around the company to show off pictures of like rather than you know pessimistic pictures of little old ladies with a curly perm and a big red button around their necks getting the bus like pictures of rocking gorgeous older adults um living their life so um 
curating a series of photos of like sexy gorgeous old ladies and really hot old guys and then just using that to collect an Instagram following so um we got up to I think we've got 7,000 or 8,000 Instagram followers however that doesn't really do anything for the business that's just something there that's help bolster our brand and allow that to be retweeted to bolster the Twitter content so um that then allowed us to use social media to promote what we were doing. And because I have such a large um, group of friends uh, in um, in, um then they retweet um, or on LinkedIn, they press like and it goes into their feeds and the reach is huge. Mm. So I was really lucky. I went on a female founders trip to San Francisco last year um which um is an, part of an amazing program that um London and Partners and SVCU which uh basically is called Silicon Valley comes to the UK put on for female founders right so that was basically an opportunity for i think it was 14 or 15 of us to go over to San Fran to show the Americans how English birds do it <laughs> and basically um, try and open up loads of opportunities stateside as well. So that is a free thing as well that's available to people as well as grant money. And there's an awful lot of support out there if you just go looking for it. So how many hours a day do you do you work? Oh, God. You're um, always working. Yeah, you're just always working. You never have time off. So like, I think people need to understand this before they start their own company. So even when um, you're on holiday, I mean, this goes the same for my partner as well, who, you know, runs a, a large corporate for a, um, a private equity firm. So that's not a textile, but equally, we both go on holiday and then, you know, you sit down, you get a pint and then you're on your phone checking your emails and people are like, stop checking your emails. But you're like, well, I can't, right? It's just hardwired into you just to look at these things. Does that not ever stress you out, though, not really having any downtime? No. That, no. Okay. No. Like, <laughs> okay, then. So, it, all right. it keeps you busy. It keeps you engaged. And although I am good at chilling out as well, so I love sleep on a weekend, right? I love it. I recharge all my batteries. Mm-hmm. And then I've always been quite frenetic and quite a... Um, you know, someone who stays awake quite late. Um, and so um, I don't have kids as well. Mm. So, you know, my life is my baby, which is the company. Uh-huh, okay. So now I'm not laid awake all night, worried about cash flow. Yeah. In the early years, my God, the stress, right? Mm. And I don't think people quite realise the impact it will have on their lives. You're going from a highly paid role to only paying yourself the bare minimum of what's needed to get through. And the amount of times my card bounced in Tesco, the amount of times my card bounced at the bar, and you just kind of really get into it because you've got to keep all the cash in the business. Whereas now I don't have those challenges because we have cash flow that keeps us going. I don't need to go to external investors. I don't need, I don't have a VC breathing down my neck going, we need 3000% growth. So I can be in control and make the decisions and feel relaxed about it. What was it like though when it was that stressful? What would you do to kind of get yourself out of it to de-stress? How did you manage that stress? So, uh, lots of alcohol and <laughs> I think it's the only way, like go out, you know? Mm. Um, so basically like kind of, just, yeah. My card's been declined at Tesco's, but there's always money for wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's always someone. So basically, I mean, I'm like, you know, uh, I- I'm not fancy. I-, I have very simple tastes. I like going out and having drinks and talking and having a laugh 
And so doing that gets me de-stressed. Okay. So um, and like now I exercise quite a lot and I think that's had masses of impact on me feeling de-stressed. What I mean, do you exercise I, I, you do? I have, I have a very uh, cheap personal trainer where we live in the country on a weekend. Um, I, I did ask as well, are you sure this is the price? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have a personal trainer who annihilates me uh, two or three times a week, which is awesome for a kind of um, sanity. So I started exercising about oh, eight months ago. And my God, I can't recommend it enough. Because yeah. I've kind of just like got rid of that and then been too busy, etc. But making set space for um, exercising is really important in terms of your own mental well-being. Amazing. So talk me through, Helen, a, a what typical working day for you. What time are you getting up? What's the first thing you do when you get up? Do you take a lunch break? Right, okay. Doing... So every day is completely, utterly different, right? But yeah. I will be woken up at 5.30 when my boyfriend's alarm goes off. Then do emails. So the first thing I do, which is really unhealthy, is go straight on my phone and look at my social channels and look at my emails. Deal with any emails that have come in through the night. Start um, basically planning the day. And then usually I've got a combination of client meetings, um, um, new business proposal. So basically, it's kind of like even though you have other people to help with the sales, you never, as a CEO of a small company, able to take your foot off the gas. Really, in terms of having an overview of how orders are being generated, and lots of people want to talk to the founder. You know, so um, a lot of people um are interested in the story. They'll hear about the story and they want to talk to me. So then I end up bringing in a lot of new business. Um, then, um, I used to go to networking deals. I used to go to loads of networking deals and I've kind of like been to so many of them that I'm just like, oh, I mean, I went to one last week that was really very good and I got sat next to two absolutely cracking entrepreneurs. Um, and when I say entrepreneurs, these guys had sold three or four businesses. One of them had launched the first satellite mm. rather than some 21 year olds who've had an idea and are just getting going. Yeah. So, um, yeah, then um, I will tend to um, go and have some cocktails, have some drinks, and then, but now I'm older, so I like to be in bed for nine o'clock because I just can't cope with it otherwise. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. 
Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Now, Helen, can you tell me about a mentor that has inspired and helped you in your career? So um, basically, I have a really, really, really strong support network. And I have two incredible mentors, um, two of the strongest commercially and business-minded people that I've ever met. Quite lucky that one of them is my boyfriend, (laughs) (laughs) who I absolutely massively respect, who has reams and reams and reams of experience. And my other mentor is incredibly skilled, um, sold his own tech startup, then built a fund, then sold a fund, then built another fund, then sold another fund. And I can't work out how old he is, but he looks about the same age as me. (laughs) But both of them are incredible. And basically having the ability to um, draw upon as many external influences as possible when you need them. So, for example, um, I have a kind of unlimited network of talented business associates that I can just pick up the phone to, right? Mm -hmm. These are all incredibly successful people who I can just go, ah, have you got five minutes? I need to ask you this question. Can you give me some help? What would you do? Um, And so um, rather than waiting for a board meeting, uh, it's really important that when you have a challenge, you're able to pick up the phone and instantly just ask somebody else if it's something that you're not sure about. However, running a business is about making decisions. Mm. And on any one particular day, you've got to make a thousand decisions. Mm. And a hundred of them will be wrong, right? That's just life. But 900 of them might be right. That's good, right? As long as more decisions are right than wrong, you're doing something okay. And so you just got to back yourself as well. So I'm a pretty confident person. Um, And so I trust my own judgment. I've got a lot of varied experience in small businesses, medium businesses and large businesses. Um, And because I have a lot of interest in business as well, I read it quite widely. I, you know, I'll always do a Google and then ask people, just be cheeky, just ask people any question, even if it sounds like a stupid question. Because, I mean, people have said it a thousand times, there are no stupid questions. Mm -hmm. And so having access to mentoring is really important to keep you sane, keep you focused and not getting sidetracked with issues that really are important because business can get quite emotional and it you need to be kind of unemotional about it because you have to decouple the emotional aspects for it to make the right judgment call and that's really important to do. Um, so I have been yeah blessed with some very, very um, kind of talented people who I can bend their ear off at any point and then nothing better than saying, darling, I've got a question. <laughs> can you help me? Um, so that's um, helped out a lot, I have to say. Okay, so how do you navigate the sheer volume of work? How do you stay organised and do you delegate to people that work for you? How precisely are you going to so, be organised? Right, I don't micromanage people, okay? So um, if you micromanage people, they get really hacked off and they want to leave. So I will give you enough support that you can get on with your job. Uh, But also that means you get enough rope to hang yourself with. So everybody who comes into Alcove is um, 
given enough support and resources. We have a grade A team at the moment. I love these people. They are amazing. I adore them. And they have really, really worked hard to get us in a position where our clients love us. Mm -hmm. Now, um, what I don't need to do is be saying where you're going, who you're doing that with, et cetera, et cetera. So every Friday, a really important tool has been that rather than us having... Um, you know, catch up calls, et cetera, et cetera. We tried that and we tried various different ways of us all getting together in a, in a single room, but um, we've been there for three hours, et cetera, et cetera. And so they fill in a form for me every Friday. So what did you do this week? What went well, not so well? What help do you need? What are you doing next week so that I can plan who's in the office and who's not in the office and say like, look, we all need to get a day together here um and any leave and just basically fill me in with the context of what you've been doing and just that process when those forms come in on a friday wow right you the richness that are in these forms that come in it means that people don't have to sit and wait and chat through it means that it's recorded so it, when it's recorded as well it works well for you and it works well mm. for me so that if there are any challenges in the future we can go back through the forms and see them together mm. equally it works as a record for my customers so i can look right and go oh my god they've been working 12 hours for x client we don't we get paid 300 pounds off that client um how can we scale back that level of resource because it is not effective as a company to be spending money on things mm. where you're not actually getting paid for it. So it acts as a real management tool and um, has been a real game changer implementing that. Very simple. People like it. You're not nitpicking and you're not micromanaging people. And we live in a different world now where a lot of the time people aren't sitting in the same office. They're out and about. They're deployed doing stuff. And for your own personal to-do list, like how do you yourself stay organised? Do you have a written to-do list? Do you have notes on your phone? Do you use spreadsheets? The most apps you use, how does that work for oh, you Oh, so basically... Um, I have the the iPhone notes mm -hmm. and so I just write things down. Um, equally, I open emails whenever, so I open a fresh email up and I have hundreds of them open with notes for different things and people think, and then I have to respond to the email and do that piece of work. So the fact that there's an open email acts as a, as a marker for me. Yeah. Um, I'm not immensely I do the organized. same thing. It's how you know that you have to answer it. Yeah, yeah. totally. Because yeah. I'm not immensely organized, right? That is not one of my core skills, right, <laughs> at all. Like, you know, and there's a million things to do. So the way that I can deal with it is that type of system um and it works okay again you know i'll have to do I'll, I'll need to do 10 things i'll get nine of them done and that extra one thing does it matter maybe maybe not but we're humans at the end of the day and you can only cut with so much and you can't beat yourself up about perfection and you should never strive for perfection you should just strive for good enough otherwise that's a source of stress and that's something that people don't need to be worrying themselves about Helen, that is amazing. That is so interesting. I think I've got so much information there. I think listeners have a ton of fantastic advice for starting their own business. Um, lastly, how can people find out more about Alcove? Go to www.youralcove.com or follow us on at your Alcove on Twitter or at your Alcove on Instagram. Fantastic. Helen, thank you so much for coming in and telling us about your side hustle. Pleasure. Thanks, Scarlett. Well, there we have it. Thank you all so much for listening. And of course, please subscribe, share and rate the show on Acast, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you indulge in your podcast habit. Make sure to tell your friends and family, especially if you think this podcast will help them with their own side hustle. I've been Scarlett Russell. 
And this has been Secrets of the Side Hustle. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.